morning. Good morning. So thankful to be here today at the Vine Church. So excited to have this opportunity to be able to dive into God's Word together. Um, let's give a hand to our worship team this morning for that amazing worship experience. Thank you guys so much for leading us in that. I am uh, always blessed uh, through worshiping with you guys. And so in case you missed the welcome, my name is Alex Hanvey and I get the, the privilege to be part of the pastoral leadership team here at the Vine Church. And if I haven't met you, I'd love to connect with you. So please feel free to reach out. If I can answer any questions for you or uh, help you in any way, just know that I'm here. Uh, I hope you've all had a great week. Uh, mine was a little different than usual. It was a little unexpected. Um, traveled 700 miles round trip this week in like two days. Uh, but it was all worth it as we got to go and be part of a, a youth camp in Virginia. Got to see in total for the entire week over about 50 to 60 students respond to following Jesus. So that was exciting. And then we saw hundreds stand in faith that they would go out and uh, share their testimony and the gospel with other people when they got back home. So that was awesome to get to be a part of. And uh, even even on very short notice, within 24 hours, we got a call and then we're on the road. So that was really exciting and really fun uh, that God allowed us to be a part of that. But today I am thrilled to be able to dive into his word together. So if you have your Bible with you and want to go ahead and turn there, you can go to Mark chapter 5. We're also going to have the scripture and the verses on the screen for you. For those who are in the, in the house, it should be on the screen for those online. And you can also follow in the Vine Church app as well. Um, so to kind of set this up, you know that we've been going through this series, if you've joined us for the last few weeks, called The Best summer ever and so what I want to do today is talk about not only do we how do we have the best summer ever but I want to talk about how we have the best life possible and so last week specifically Tyler talked about humility and what that looks like in the life of a Christian and how it characterizes our lives and how we live that out day in and day out in many different areas of our life so I want to pick up right there where he left off, and I want to talk about humility, but I want to add one additional thing to it, and that's faith. And I want to talk about how humility and faith lead us to the place where we have our best life possible, and that is at the feet of Jesus. And that's what we're going to be looking at here in Mark chapter 5. We're actually going to look at two individuals specifically who through humility and through faith come to the feet of Jesus, literally, and begin to then live their best life possible. So in this story, in this passage, we're going to be starting at verse 21, and we're going to be going through the rest of the chapter, verse 43, and we're going to meet a guy named Jairus. And Jairus is a synagogue leader, but what I want you to know beforehand is the Hebrew meaning of his name. It means whom God enlightens. And then I want you to also understand that John tells us that Jesus is the light of the world, the light for all mankind. And so God, through Christ Jesus, illuminates and enlightens our lives through Christ Jesus. So I want you to have that thought and that to be sort of the lens and the filter for which we walk through this passage. 
because that's going to play a part in what happens to these individuals and then it makes sense and plays a part into what happens in each and every one of our lives. So we're going to be starting at verse 21. So let's go ahead and dive in. It says, When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and lived. Or and live. And so right here I want to pause. So just so you know that Jesus and his disciples, it says that they come back across the lake. They had just gone over to the other side of the Sea of Galilee where Jesus had done a miracle and he, he saved, he healed, and he set uh, a man who had been, been possessed by thousands of demons free. And so the disciples just see this, they witness this. Now here they are, they, they, did, they performed this miracle, or Jesus performed it. They get back in the boat, and as soon as they reach the other side, this is what happens. And it says that a large crowd had gathered around him. Already, like as soon as they get step out of the boat, there's a crowd there waiting. And it says that one of them was Jairus. And as, it, as we learn, Jairus is a synagogue leader. Now this means that he has responsibilities and he's in charge of the local synagogue, the local church. It doesn't necessarily mean that he teaches or that he is the rabbi, but he is in charge of the facility. He has administrative duties in that synagogue. And so as we know that, this is, a, this is a respected and an honorable position. And so among the religious community, he's looked at as kind of like, you know, higher ups, right? He's respected this position he has. And if you think as well, like his crowd that he hangs out with, that he runs with, his community, are likely more religious people, probably even significantly Pharisees. And so... That's the community and the people that he would associate with likely most often. Well, we also learn that as Jairus is a synagogue leader and he comes to Jesus, he has to at least know about Jesus, right? Because just think, like in this time, many of the Jews, many of the religious people, especially the Pharisees, don't believe that Jesus is who he says he is. They don't believe he's the Son of God, the Messiah, the Chosen One. And so this is probably something that Jairus may be in line with when it comes to the thinking of who Jesus is or who Jesus is not. But we know that Jairus has at least heard about Jesus. He knows of Jesus. He may not know him personally or on a relational level, but he intellectually knows about Jesus. Maybe he's heard of some miracles. Maybe he's even um, heard Jesus teach a time or two. But he at least knows of Jesus and he has enough faith or maybe it's just that he's desperate enough that he comes to Jesus believing that there's a chance he could heal his daughter you see and I think this is where humility kind of comes into play and this is where our circumstances can be used at times to lead us to that place of humility where we would never get there on our own but God can use the the seasons of life that are the most difficult for us to bring us to the lowest point of our life to where we know there's nothing else that can help us but Jesus. And so that is where Jairus finds himself in this moment because we learn that his daughter is sick. 
so sick to the point that he is afraid she is going to die. And so when he finds himself now, it's not around his religious friends and the Pharisees who say, hey, if you just pray hard enough, or hey, if you just do the right things, you'll be okay. God will bless you and take care of you. Or hey, if you just go to the doctor, you'll be all right. Take this medicine, do this, do that. Everything will be okay. But no, he finds himself separated from that community and what he's used to. And he finds himself at the feet of Jesus. Because it says he comes to him and doesn't just walk up to him, hey, Jesus, do you mind coming with me to my house? But no, he falls on his knees at the feet of Jesus, begging him to come and to heal his daughter. So he at least has some amount of faith, no matter how small it is, that Jesus can do this miracle that he's asking And so he's at that point where it doesn't matter what his friends say. They may mock him. They may laugh at him. They may tell him he's crazy. They may even begin to reject and shun him for following Jesus or going to Jesus and asking Jesus for this thing and believing that he could actually do it. But in this moment, Jairus doesn't care. All he cares about is his daughter, and he cares and believes enough that Jesus is the only option left. And see, that's where we have to come to in our lives is realizing that there is nothing else that can help us. There is nothing else that can save us or sustain us outside of Jesus. And as he finds Jesus, there's already a crowd around him, right? So it's not like Jesus was just standing out in the open and he walked up. No, he had to push his way through this crowd. And we're going to learn that the crowd was so large that it was kind of like crushing in on Jesus and his disciples. So it wouldn't have been like two or three people he just kind of had to navigate around. He would have had to push his way through. So I want to ask you, if God is calling you to something, and maybe that thing is to Jesus, maybe it's to come to church, right? You can do nothing to save yourself, but are you willing to push through maybe the awkwardness? Because maybe you've never been to church. Are you willing to push through people saying that you're crazy for wanting to go to church? Are you willing to do whatever it takes to get to the place where Jesus is? Are you willing to believe that it's worth it, even if everybody else tells you it's not? And so as Jairus gets to Jesus, he falls on his feet. We talked about that being the posture of humility. Because this is the place that we have to find ourselves humbling ourselves before Jesus. Because this is the place we find ourselves most often when we're weak, when we're scared, when we're afraid, when we're fearful, and like I said, when we're at rock bottom. Because humility doesn't come because we choose humility all the time. But humility comes because we learn that we can't do it on our own. And so in this moment, at the feet of Jesus is where we find strength to carry on. It's where we find the hope to to know that, hey, it's okay. This is where we find the peace in the middle of the storm, no matter how bad the things are around us. And this is the only place that we will ever find life or freedom. You see, we must understand a simple truth, is that in life, we will never stand until we fall before Jesus. And so this is where Jairus finds himself. Now let's continue on in verse 24. It says, so Jesus went with him. So Jairus comes to Jesus, pleads for him to come back to his house and save his daughter. 
and it says that Jesus goes with him. Jairus starts out on probably the lowest level he has ever experienced. Jesus, he comes to Jesus, asking to follow him, and Jesus agrees because it says that they're on their way back to Jairus' house. So now Jairus' emotions are probably on the uprise because Jesus has agreed. So he's like, okay, I'm hopeful. I'm believing that Jesus can do this. He's agreed to come. Here we go. My daughter is going to be okay. And it says in verse 24, as we continue reading, a large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I, had, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? You see, at the as the journey began to Jairus's house, they're stopped, right? They're stopped momentarily, and Jairus is about to witness the thing he came seeking from Jesus, which is a miracle, which is healing. So not only did Jairus have that moment where he was excited because Jesus was coming, but he's about to see that Jesus really can do miracles, and that Jesus likely can do what he is asking of him going to see it with his own eyes and so I want to take a moment to look at what happens here because even though Jairus is about to witness this great thing he's probably a little frustrated because if your child is sick almost to the point of dying and you are on your last option and Jesus has agreed to come with you and maybe your house is just around the corner you don't want him to stop to help anybody else but he does and see, and I think there's something that we can learn from that because God's timing is always better than ours. And God's timing is always on time. You see, and so as we look here at what's happening, there's a, there's a term that's used for what we see here in Mark chapter 5, and it's called a Markin sandwich. And basically what it is is it's a story that Mark is telling, and he does this several times throughout the book of Mark, but as he's telling the story, there's another story right in the middle of it. And so this story may be at another time, or this story might actually be in sync. Now, right here in Mark chapter 5, this is in sync, as we can see from the details. Like, this happens in order chronologically. But there's something for us to learn when Mark does this. There's something for us to take out of that story. So I want us to dig deeper into what's happening here. I don't want us to skip over the fact that Jesus just did a miracle, and it does relate to what else is happening in Jairus' life. And so we learned that this woman had been sick and bleeding for 12 years. Can you imagine losing blood for 12 years? 
every day. Can you imagine how she must feel? Probably pretty weak, right? Tired. It said that she had gone to doctor after doctor after doctor. She had tried everything that they suggested and had no, no, um, no ease from the suffering, no, no healing, no positive result. So she, as well, is at the lowest part of her life, doesn't have any other options, doesn't know what to do, and thinks, well, this is my last shot. I'm going to give Jesus a try. You see, she's at her rock bottom, and she comes to Jesus. She hears that he's in town, and she, as well, has to navigate through the crowd. You see, Jairus, being a man, I would imagine probably navigated it pretty fine because he seemingly healthy. But this woman, who might have even been weaker, but was weaker especially because of being sick, also had to navigate and push her way through the crowd. You see, she didn't let anything stop her from just reaching the cloak of Jesus to just be able to touch the edge of his clothes. You see, a lot of times we make excuses for not doing the things that God calls us to. But as we can see, there are no excuses. It takes humility and it takes faith. And so we see this woman, she makes it to Jesus and she touches his clothes. You see, one of the things to not overlook here as well is in this time, in the Bible, during the days of Jesus, women were not looked at as equal to men. They were not as respected or regarded in the same way as a man was. Children were the same. So already, you see Jairus and you see this woman, and they're on different levels, different spectrums. Then not only that, this woman had a bleeding disorder. So she would have been seen as unclean to the Jewish community. So she's already got another knock on her list. And so she would be at a, again, a lower level than most other people. And so there's a difference and there's a distance between where they are in the eyes of those who are around them, especially in the religious community. But yet this woman comes to Jesus and she touches his clothes and he heals her. And he notices her. And this terrifies that woman because she already knew she wasn't supposed to be around other people. She wasn't supposed to touch anyone because she was unclean. But yet she touches Jesus and he stops. And I believe he stops in part so that we can learn and understand that Jesus, Jesus notices faith. Your faith doesn't go unseen when you believe in what he can do and who he is. And so he stops and he eventually addresses her, right? Because she understands, like, I can't get out of this. I've got to tell him. So she goes and she falls at his feet. Again, at a place of humility. And she says, I touched your clothes and I am healed. And then Jesus does something that would have been mind-blowing in that day especially to someone who had been outcast and been pushed away because of her illness and he addresses her as daughter daughter your faith has healed you 
And the word healed here is not just in a physical sense, but it's also in a spiritual sense. And so then he says, go in peace and be freed from your suffering. So now let's pick back up as we see how Jairus' story continues. Because we learn that as all of this is happening, someone comes from Jairus' house and says, hey, your daughter died. Don't bother Jesus anymore. Don't waste your time. You see, and that's what the world tells us. Hey, don't waste your time. You're way too messed up. Jesus wants nothing to do with you. Jesus doesn't care about you. Or hey, Jesus ain't even real. And that's what the world wants us to hear. The world wants us to just give up and to let go. You see, and we see that played out here because this voice that Jairus is hearing in that moment is the voice of the world, the voice of death, the voice of lies, the one that wants him to quit. Because the world only speaks death. But Jesus speaks life, right? The world only speaks of defeat. Jesus speaks of victory. You see, we're in this world, but we're not of this world. So we should never take the word of the world over the word of life. And that is Jesus. You see, as the world tells us to give up and to quit and that we're not enough, Jesus tells us the opposite. Mark 5 verse 36 says this, Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, and this right here is the whole point of me talking to you today. Jesus says, don't be afraid, just believe. Don't be afraid, just believe. You see, the world as it speaks death and Jesus speaks life, they're opposing. And so we have a choice. Do we listen to this voice of the world that is telling us to give up because it's not worth it? Or do we listen to Jesus who says, don't worry, just believe. You see, Jairus... Like, we have the privilege to read God's word, right? The Bible. We have God's word in the written form. But Jairus was actually hearing the word speak to him. Like, we hear it through pastors and through preachers. We hear it through videos, through commentary, through worship. But Jairus was literally hearing the word of God speak. And he was telling him, don't be afraid, just believe. What are you afraid of right now? What are you afraid? What next step is God calling you to that you are afraid to take in your life? Is the crowd telling you, hey, just give up? Hey, it's not worth it. Hey, Jesus isn't real. But yet you know something is pulling you to not be afraid, but just believe. You see, the enemy will always want to steal something from you. When Jesus only wants to give you what only he can. Let's pick back up at verse 37. And it says, He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, Why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. You see, that's what the world is going to do to us. The world is going to laugh at us for saying that we believe in Jesus, that we have faith in who he is and what he's done. But that doesn't stop us from continuing to follow him because I love what it says next. 
after he, talking about Jesus, put them all out. See, Jesus shut out the noise of the crowd, the noise and the chatter of the world that tries to overwhelm us and drown out the voice of God. Jesus put them all out. He took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha Kumi, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. You see, there's a lot that happens here. And we see Jairus' roller coaster of emotions throughout this whole passage. He's at what he thinks is rock bottom when he comes to Jesus. Then Jesus agrees to follow, so he's kind of on the uprise. And then Jesus stops, so now he's kind of going back down. Then he really hits rock bottom when he hears that his daughter has died. But then he hears Jesus say, don't be afraid, just believe. So then he says, all right, what do I have left to lose? And they go... And then his daughter is healed. Not only is his daughter healed, his daughter is resurrected. Jesus doesn't just perform a miracle like he did with the lady who had been bleeding for 12 years. Jesus raises the dead. What does Jesus need to raise in your life? What dream have you given up on? What calling has God put in your life that you've quit on because you've listened to the voice of the world that it's not worth it? that you've chased after the wrong things and now you're afraid to go after what God has called you to? What does Jesus need to bring to life in you? Is it you? Do you believe in Jesus? Do you have the humility to know that you can't do it on your own? Do you have the humility and the place in your heart, the posture to say that you are not worthy that you are not able to pull it together on your own, but to know that Jesus loves you enough, that Jesus lived the perfect life that you couldn't, died the death that you deserve, and rose in victory on the third day, and all you have to do is put your faith in him. Because not only can Jesus bring back dreams and joy and happiness and peace that you might have lost, but he can also bring back the dead to life. You see, each and every one of us are spiritually dead without Christ. Every single one of us are born into sin. And Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 2, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world. But because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. You see, and it is by hearing the word of God and believing. You see, we don't hear if someone doesn't preach or teach or speak the word of God. Romans 10, 17 says, So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So I want to ask you, do you have faith that Jesus is who he says he is? Do you have faith that Jesus can do what only he can do? You see, we oftentimes want to give up because the world tells us we're not good enough, because the world tells us what we're chasing after isn't worth it or it's crazy. But what is Jesus telling you? Where is the Holy Spirit leading you? Are you ready to humble yourself and to 
see it's a two-part. Once you humble yourself, then you have to believe. And this isn't something that you can just muster up. It's not some magic formula that you just figure out and it's like, oh, I have the key to everything. But humility and faith are something that God will lead you to. And like the circumstances in both Jairus and the woman's life, they bring them to a place of humility. So our circumstances in life, what we go through, will bring us to humility. And the Spirit, as God moves in our lives, will bring us to see the faith that we need in Christ and that He is exactly who He says He is. So I pray that this morning as we've spent this time together, and whether you're watching online or in the house, if you're watching later in the week or some other time, I just pray that God opens your ears to hear, that God opens your heart to receive, so that you too may hear and know, don't be afraid, just believe. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this opportunity that you have given us to be here I thank you that you have allowed us this chance to come into your house, to be in your presence again. Help us, Lord, to have open ears and open hearts to hear and receive exactly what you have for us today and every day. Lord, help us to know and understand that we can't do it on our own, but we do have to come to a place and a point of humility. Sometimes that means the circumstances in our lives have to be the one to humble us. Lord, please don't let that be wasted moments. Please let that be something that you use for our good, for your glory, as we see and experience the love, the grace, the mercy, and the freedom that comes from Christ Jesus. Lord, I pray for those listening today, wherever they are, whatever they're going through, I just pray, Lord, that they may know Jesus as Lord and Savior. Maybe you've professed Jesus as your Lord and Savior in your life in the past. And you would say that, yes, you follow him and you believe in him. But maybe you've given up on the things that he's called you to. Maybe you've given up on him. And you want to turn back. and You want to surrender to him. Now is that time. Now is that opportunity for you to do so. Maybe you've never placed your faith in Jesus. Maybe you've always heard the crowd saying, it's a waste of time. Don't do it. You're not good enough. Jesus doesn't love you. And now I want you to listen to the voice of Jesus that says, don't be afraid. Just believe. Because Jesus does love you. So much so that he gave his life for you, that he rose in victory, that you may have life, that you may know him as your Lord and Savior. And if that's you and you want to place your faith in him today, I give you that opportunity now. And what I want you to do is to pray this prayer with me, but I want you to understand it's not the words that save you, but it's the faith behind them to believe in Jesus, to believe he is who he says he is, he has done what he came to do. And if that's you, I want you to pray this prayer with me. And we're all going to pray it for those who are coming to faith for the first time. So if you would pray this prayer, Lord Jesus, I am a sinner in need of a savior. 
I repent of my sins. I turn from my way. I turn to you, Jesus. I believe you are who you say you are. You lived the perfect life. You died the death I deserve. You rose in victory over sin and death. Help me to follow you the rest of my life the best way I know how. Now with every head bowed and eyes still closed, if that was you and you prayed that prayer and you know in your heart that you believe it, that you surrender your life to Jesus wholeheartedly, you believe he is who he says he is, you believe he can do what he promises to do, I want you to respond. I'm going to count to three. And if you're in the house, raise your hand. If you're online, I want you to click the the raised hand button. Or I want you to leave us a comment or a message. Send us an email at hello at thevine.tv. Whatever it is, get in touch with us. Let us know. Because we want to walk with you through this. We want you to understand what it is that you have done. We want you to understand what it means to walk with Jesus. For him to walk with you. So one, two, three. If that's you, I want you to respond. I want you, I want you to take that step of faith and let the world know that you believe in Jesus. Because I can assure you for those who do respond, there are angels in heaven that are celebrating for you and over you. And over this decision that you've made, this life that you now have, as you've crossed from death to life, as we get ready to dive back into worship here, close it out. I just want to ask that you humble yourself, that you surrender before God now whatever the burdens are that you may have brought with you into the service. That you ask Jesus to heal you of whatever it is that is weighing on you. That you ask Jesus to set you free from whatever chains and bondage it is that is holding you back. I ask you in this moment don't be afraid just believe. Lord Jesus, be with us as we worship and as we close this out. Help us to glorify you as we sing and lift your name high. Help us to honor you in all that we do. And may you get the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.
12 years who had been sick, who had been hurting and could find no resolution from the world. That it doesn't matter whether you are looked at in high regard by the religious or if you are looked at as the outcast. No matter where you are on that spectrum in your life, there's one thing that equates each and every one of us. There's one thing that equalizes us all. It's our brokenness and our need for Jesus. And it's when we find humility and faith at the feet of Jesus, we're all the same. So I hope and I pray that you find that today or in a day to come. And I hope that it be well with your soul, that you can listen and believe not to be afraid, but to just believe in Jesus and what he has for you. We thank you so much for being with us today. We hope and pray that you have a wonderful week that you will join us again next week. The best is yet to come.